0: Welcome to the Kitchen Table Podcast, where the table comes in all sizes, shapes, and styles. Join Kyle and Seth as we explore the journey of food from our field to your dinner plate. The one guarantee is that there will always be a seat for everyone at the Kitchen Table. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Kitchen Table Podcast. It is always my sincere pleasure and uh, joy to be able to meet and greet and talk to farmers food consumers and end users all over the country on a weekly basis and it's uh it's amazing how time flies what started as just a simple idea between kyle and i has really grown and prospered and continues to do so and it's uh it's always just a really awesome opportunity to be able to sit down and meet some new people see some old friends and then also hopefully to bridge that gap and make a connection with farmers consumers and that's really one of the most important things within agriculture in general and so Kyle how are you doing this evening? Doing good another
1: beautiful Thursday night just excited to be here with you got some exciting guests I'm very uh, looking very forward to hearing what they have to say tonight.
0: Wow. That's, you know, that's a heck of an icebreaker and, uh, certainly want to lead right in and segue in, uh, kind of the, the, the theme and the motto of this week's kitchen table podcast is women of agriculture. And it's a well-known, uh, it's well-known that March is, is women's history month. And then also March is reading month, I guess, but more importantly, um, we are really interested in talking with some of our female professionals that work within the agriculture industry. And and specifically, we are joined by two very talented individuals this evening. uh, Miss April Castle from Kansas. April, how are you doing this evening?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: Hey, I'm doing better now. It's always great to be able to see you and uh, certainly looking forward to hearing some of your story. And Certainly seeing how we can weave in some of the things of how rural Nebraska is operating this week, while it sounds like you may be on high school spring break. Our second guest tonight is actually Miss Hannah Yoder and Hannah Hales from Southern Michigan, not very far actually from where I grew up. And uh, Hannah and I have never met and we had never talked and uh, we connected via Facebook. Uh, And Hannah, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. How are you doing, Seth?
0: Well, it's a Thursday night and that means we're on the downhill slide into the weekend Uh, for the, for the average American that goes to work and punches a time card from nine to five, five days a week. I suppose that's a, that's a highlight, but for all of us farmers, we all understand that it's a 365 day a year job, 24 hours a day. Hey, we're making it. It is March Madness. For those that don't know, I am a diehard college basketball fan. It's a good thing Michigan State's not on tonight. They're on tomorrow night. Go green. And uh, certainly, thank you, Hannah, for being able to be here. And so, in an effort to keep things moving, I really want to just kind of kick things off and really grab a perspective of where, uh, I guess, in one word, what describes your life, the agricultural industry, the portion of the state that you live in. And Kyle, I'd like to start with you first.
1: Oh, he should have should have went to the guest first, but well, I can lead off. That's all right.
0: Well, no, um, the reason I do that it's because you are a thorn between two roses. <laughs> okay, <laughs> very sweet. Well, I had an
1: interesting. So, my word of the day and kind of of the week is fruit. And I'll just tell you a very short story around that. Um, had, a, had a good conversation with an old friend today who's a large manufacturer and an entrepreneur and just a, an exciting human being. And as we were talking about agriculture and just kind of the silver linings of, of the last year and, and moving forward, the excitement that there is around the industry, uh, he, he talked about um, fruit being grown in the valleys, meaning that the great things in your life that uh, come about are are grown in the valleys, and and he was speaking yeah. a little deeper into uh, kind of personal growth, I believe, and he said, you know, you don't you don't grow a lot on the mountains and on the hills; it's always grown in the valleys. And so I just thought that was a neat message to bring to you all tonight.
0: Wow, thank you, thank you for being able to share that with us, and. And April, I'm gonna lead right into you. I, I know that you said that you were eager to share your one word of the week. And so, April, I'm really curious to hear what you have for this evening.
2: Honestly, mine's not anything unique. It's just this week we've been on spring break. I also run a home daycare, and so I follow the school calendar. So, I'm on spring break. This week, uh, my word of the week is just kind of family because we've been able to spend a lot of time together this week, which has been nice because we're always so busy with the farm between farm and school and work that we see, you know, we all see each other for like two hours every day because we're always in busy different directions. And Eric's always out outside doing the chores. I'm inside with the kids trying to get them ready for bed and dinner and everything. So this week's just been really nice to kind of reset and spend a lot of time together and actually do projects together. And instead of just kind of seeing each other in passing.
0: Awesome. That hey, cool. That's one thing is the, the one of the best spots about farming is you have the opportunity to work with spouses and family. The downside of farming is, is that, it, that when you walk in the house, then you have to be a family and have the opportunity <laughs> to talk about some of the trials and tribulations that the day actually existed. And so finally, Hannah, uh you know, I was starting to say earlier, it's certainly a pleasure to be able to meet you. And you and I were connected uh, through Facebook by some mutual friends. And I, you know, and we just kind of chatted just a little bit and had had grabbed a little bit of background and Southern Michigan, not too far from where I was raised. And so certainly a way to represent the US 12 corridor, probably more than anything. Yeah,
3: right.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So Hannah, how are you doing this evening?
3: You know, I'm doing really good. Um, it's crazy what April mentioned about family because I was thinking about my word and I was going to say, you know, sustainability, but not in the buzzword kind of way that it is in agriculture. Sustainability is something that I think um, my husband and I are really working on in that it has to be sustainable as a family. We talk about financial sustainability and operational sustainability, even like, a you know, a sustainability in, in the aspect of agronomy and um the land, but the sustainability also has to happen with time, you know, uh time spent with family. And that can be a real trial, I think, especially for smaller farms. I'm not so sure about the larger farms if they've got a little bit more um under their belt. But with this us anyhow, that's a real um struggle. And so that's great, you know, April, that it was pretty much the same idea, uh different words.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm kind of cool. I'm beaming ear to ear because I, Kyle, I think we have hit a home run with, uh, with these two ladies that had volunteered to be, uh, to be our guests tonight real quick to finish. Uh, my word of the week is really pretty simple. Uh, I spent the entirety of my day down in the bottom of an 18 foot deep manure pit. And, cool. uh, I didn't really plan on that, but it was some of the things I had to work on professionally with looking at some of the engineering designs and to see how, uh, what, what types of functionality that we had. And it was for a farmer here in the county. And uh, so my word of the week is air. And when I originally had thought about the word of the week, it was air is just that it's life is hitting us hundred miles an hour. A lot of us have young families. There's families all across, certainly across the country that are experiencing a lot of the post COVID opportunities that exist but then uh, at the same time kids are home from spring break or kids are going to certain functions a lot of agriculture is starting to ramp up around the country Uh, so the southern part of the United of the United States is certainly planting corn and their crops already Uh, and then I've been really busy at work and so it was just trying to figure out um, the air the air around any, all those aspects, whether it's trying to keep a house, not muddy during the wet season, especially when a dog comes running through um, floor, you know, mopping floors, all sorts of things like that. But then I was thinking about my word today as I was standing down in the bottom of a, of a manure pit that had been drained to the last 16 inches. And I was like, man, I could really use a breath of fresh air right now. And so here we are, Kyle, we have two breaths of fresh air. I had already said it's two roses. You are a thorn between two roses. But really kind of to lead things off is I have never really had the opportunity to listen to April's side of of her operation. And certainly I've never heard anything about Hannah's operation. And so I'd be curious for you ladies just to tell us about your operations and be able to go from there. April, if you want to lead off.
2: Sure. So my, I guess my story is kind of interesting, I guess maybe. I've always like going back to when I was a kid, I've always been the oddball in my family, so to speak, I guess, because I've always hated. I grew up in the city. I grew up in suburban neighborhoods, like everything, concrete, jungle, all the stuff. And I hated it every single minute. Like it, I always wanted to live on a farm. I always wanted to not be where I felt like I could touch the house next to me. And nobody else in my family is like that. They all think I'm the weird one. And, you know, I was involved in FFA and FFA in high school and I showed a few animals, but that was the extent of my, you know, exposure to agriculture and the feel for being able to be on a farm. And the funny part is the one animal I absolutely despised in FFA was pigs and I hated them and I refused to show them or help with them or anything. And of course now I'm married to a pig farmer. So, and all we have are pigs. <laughs> so So that's kind of where it was just, I just find that funny just because I sit there and laugh about it because I was like, that's the one animal that I refuse to do anything with. Because for me, I'm just like, I can put a halter on a cow. I can put a halter on a sheep or a goat or something. And you can't do that with a pig. And when they take off running, they just run. And I was like, I'm not chasing that animal. (laughs) So that's just, that's just me.
0: (laughs) Pigs are smarter than us anyway.
2: Pigs are very, very smart and it's very <laughs> irritating at times how smart they are, <laughs> but no, that's just, that's kind of where we are. I, you know, my husband, um, he grew up raising animals his whole life. He's been raising pigs since he was, I don't know, seven years old and he's always worked on a hog farm They're his passion and he loves it. And so it's just kind of ironic that that's where I fell into the farming world and Honestly, I love it now. I don't hate it. I actually like the pigs. They're fun. We raise, we primarily raise show pigs for kids that are in 4-H and FFA. And then we also are licensed to sell meat by the cut. And we do a lot of farmer's markets and we stay crazy busy. We have some meat in some of our local grocery stores and that's just kind of where we are and kind of high level.
1: Sure. I think we need to hit on that busyness because all of our words of the day or we're words of the week had to do with how to manage this busyness. So I think we'll hit yes. that a little deeper later. Hannah, so, how about you?
3: Yeah. So I actually also married into this life of farming and agriculture. Uh, I grew up actually just down the road to my husband, about half a mile. So definitely out in the country doing 4-H and and whatnot, but we didn't work on on a working farm. And yeah, I think it's been been quite a journey. When we first, I think it was just before we got married, I actually sat down to help him with his first year getting his, well, not his first year, my first year helping him prepare his taxes. And um, that threw me kind of into uh, a journey to actually learn the bookkeeping because I realized, wow, like, I have to take this over soon. Um, my husband relied solely on his mother, which she's an angel, uh, to do bookwork and taxes. And so I was like, Oh my word, this is going to be my job. And, uh, so then I, I went ahead and I got, um, some formal training in bookkeeping and, uh, pursued that in a way that I could work from home. It's all virtual. Um, so that I could also help on the farm. So, uh, that's kind of a little bit of a, a side story of, of my role in agriculture as far as here on, on our farm. Um, but then also uh when we were still dating, I got into cattle a little bit and we were both kind of dabbling in cattle. He was definitely more into feeders, and I was like, Oh, I want to breed these cows, you know. And uh and we got started doing that together and absolutely fell in love with the Herford breed. Um, we have a partner who's helped us along. He's a wonderful uh, gentleman who's just taken us under his wing. Actually, a couple of them have and helped us, um, gain knowledge and experience and some really great genetics with Hereford cattle. And so we have a small herd of mama cows that we breed and we just wrapped up calving season today. So that was a thrill. And, uh, so that's really where I thrive in, uh, helping Zach on the farm. He also farms with his dad and brother. They, uh, row crop, like 1,200, I'm sorry, 2,500 acres um, together. And uh, I help out a little bit here and there, maybe like planting or harvest when they need moving from different fields, but there's not a lot um, that I do with with the row crops. Um, my husband also does like cover crop seeding. Um, he has a, an interseeder, a haggy sprayer that he converted to uh, interseed cover crops. And so we're very Um, involved in that also I help him um, a little bit with that but mostly brainstorming because we graze the cattle on the cover crop so there's a lot of ways that um, that I'm involved in the farm I don't necessarily drive tractor um, (laughs) and do things like that but um, I think that that's kind of the role of of farm wives is um, a jack of all trades where needed so
0: I I have to chuckle when you start talking about that you don't necessarily drive tractor and no different than Hannah you or April you I actually married the farmer's daughter also and (laughs) uh and so it kind of and I mean I grew up I grew up in a farm setting and milk cows when I was growing up but now my mother-in-law still milks cows probably I think she's down to only four days a week and then works in the barn two days a week and and then tends the campground for one day a week or, you know, throughout the week, then during the summer too. So she's really busy, but the one thing she has never done is she's like, I do not want to learn how to drive tractor. She's like, I don't want to learn how to drive tractor because that means I'm going to have to drive the tractor. So, so she literally, she literally, it's funny because she has a single, she has two zero turn lawnmowers. That she puts like four hundred and fifty hours on a year, five hundred hours on a year, because she won't drive a haybine. So she mows twenty acres of lawn. (laughs) Absolutely hilarious, and she she she's so much fun when she starts talking about those things. Um, Real quick, you know, both of you ladies kind of talked on, uh, kind of touched on your entrance into the agricultural realm and you know in terms of when you're talking about the farm and i'm just curious how that looked and what did you really want to be a farmer when you were when you were i guess dating your husbands at this stage and then ultimately how did you decide that you wanted to be a part of the farm hannah how about you first
3: i don't think originally i would say i was always drawn to this way of life, absolutely. I love love animals. Um, I always kind of romanticized farming and what that would look like. I don't know that it was, I don't know that I had a real clear idea of what I wanted to do with my life. I, I knew I loved horses and I, hey, I found a guy who was willing to feed my horses his cow hay and put up with them, so <laughs> that was great. No, I I don't really, I can't say as I really had always wanted to be a farmer or a farmer's wife. Meeting Zach was the ticket. I knew I loved him and I knew that this was something that I was never going to ask him to give up. And so that was something where I I guess I kind of had to formulate my mindset and and decide like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And I remember his mom, she was not trying to like warm me off of him, but she said, this is a really, really hard life. And I kind of thought. Yeah, not really. Like this, this is really great. You get to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Like you're your own boss. And I was really romanticizing it. And I remember probably that first year of marriage when I was like, "Okay, Niemo is right. This is this is tough. This is hard. I know that the divorce rates in in agriculture are really high, and that's just um, it's not an option for my husband and I. <laughs> I'll speak for him. <laughs> Absolutely not an option. So. Mind was made up that this is something he loves. It's not something he's going to give up. It's part of who he is. And so I love farming because I love him. I love farming on its own. Now I've fallen in love with it, but I don't think it was ever something that I would have chosen for myself.
1: Awesome. Well, April, along those same lines, I kind of wanted to pop back to partly what you said. You mentioned like two hours a day, kind of, Craziness, busy. How do we? How do we make this uh, farm life a little more than that? Like, how do we, I? I'm kind of open it up to everybody, but specifically April. If you, what are you doing to try? Like right now, you've got some time with you know you and Eric. Um, but mm-hmm. I mean, how do we create that? Because we struggle with that on our farm. We struggle with that in our life. I was actually gonna stay at the office for two extra hours to kind of prepare for some other work and prepare for this. And I I made the decision to come home, which was really difficult from the man's, from the husband's perspective, but I made the right choice. I, I can see it now, but at the time it didn't feel like the right choice.
2: Right. I think, like you said, it's, I think it's a struggle regardless of Kind of, if you're on a farm or not on a farm, just trying to find that balance in life. Like, I don't think you have to be a farmer or live on a farm to feel the struggle and the and the weight of, you know, all your responsibilities with work and family and every other activity that fills your calendars um, every week. Eric, he's an he's a high school ag teacher and he works an hour away from the house, so he drives an hour each way, and so that takes up two hours of his day. It's just driving and commuting, and I run a licensed home daycare. So I don't have, you know, I don't have a commute, but I'm here every day. I'm on the farm every day, but I'm not able to necessarily do farm work or be out at the barn or things because I've got seven or eight other kids all under the age of five that I'm yeah. chasing around all day, <laughs> five days a week. I'm, I'm here, but I'm not at the same time. And so like a lot of things, me and Eric have really worked on it. Um, we still, it's a, it's a work in progress. It's it's definitely not perfect. We have our days, we have our moments, but I think we both just try to, we try to just help each other out as much as we can. Like if I know he's going to be late or if all the daycare kids leave early, then sometimes like I try to go out and I feed all the animals and I get most of all the chores and stuff done. There's usually something that still needs to be done or that he had on his list that I didn't know needed to be done. But it's still like it lets him focus on that one thing instead of chores and those little projects and fixing this and you know whatever might be on his list. In terms like when he is able to come home and not worry about all the little things or you know, it took me 30 minutes to do chores, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal because it only takes 30 minutes to feed all the animals. but that 30 minutes is a huge deal because it gives kind of time back to the family. He can come in. Spend some extra time with the kids before they go to bed. I don't know if that answers your question. I mean, it's just, we just kind of take it day by day where we just try to try to find the little things where it doesn't always have to be a big thing and it doesn't always have to be the same thing every day, but just kind of find those little, just those little things that just kind of help each other out.
1: And sometimes you just have to drive to Omaha and see some friends, right?
2: <laughs> yes, this is true. Yes, yeah. sometimes you just need a break, and you just need to walk yeah. away and say, "Okay, we need a breather. We're going to go see some people that we've never met before."
0: April, I think what you say is really pretty impactful. I'm sitting here looking at our at our screen, and I'm seeing an awful lot of heads nodding. Yes, we we understand. Yes, we agree about being present and then understanding that the need of being able to help each other out and so much of that is lost in society anymore and that's one of the things with agriculture is it is probably even though it's a small industry in terms of total numbers of people that are actively engaged with farming it's a it's an industry that people really genuinely care about their neighbor or they genuinely care about other individuals from around the country and and that kind of ties directly into one of the next questions I really kind of wanted to ask. And it's, it's really about what do you feel? And this is goes directly talking to consumers because that's one of the goals of the Kitchen Table podcast, right? Is all real and relevant issues happen around a kitchen table. What are some of the things that you wish that consumers knew about females and farmers, for that matter, within the agriculture industry? And Hannah, I'll let you take that one away first.
3: I wish that consumers would would realize that farming is a business. Like in my mind, I had romanticized it. I had made it this thing and I think a lot of people make it this thing where farmers are just these do-gooders that yeah, you know who cares what the crop does, you know, it's going to get bought. They're fine. They I mean they just keep rolling year after year and you know a lot of people turn that around into almost like, you know, farmers have this responsibility to save the world somehow, that they they have a responsibility to create a product that has little or no impact, or however they see their importance of, of farming. But my husband and I find that very frustrating, you know, why don't you just, and, you know, there are a lot of, we're very conventional farm, I'll just say this, we, we don't do organic, we don't do non-GMO. And so there's a lot of almost consumer hate towards what we're trying to do. And there is still a market for it. There's still a need for it. And it takes certain situations to be able to do certain things. So not everyone is set up to go organic or non-GMO or no-till, which is something we're doing, no-till and cover crops. We're all trying our best. I guess that's what I wish I could tell the consumer is that we're all trying our best. We love our animals. We love our ground. We're trying to uh, do what's best for them. We also own a business. We have to make money at the end of the day if we wanna keep doing this. If we don't want our land to get taken away, you know, if we want to pass this on to the next generation, we have to be making money. So not every option is sustainable for every operation. And so just because we don't do organic, we're not bad people, you know. just because we don't do none and vice versa for the organic. I mean, however it works in your operation, for you to do the best you can, that's, we're trying to make, you know, a living and care. Um, I think consumers can sometimes, and I'm probably making a too broad a, a statement here, but they can sometimes put this feeling of farmers don't care. Farmers are out to get you. Farmers, you know, with the spray, with, uh, with grain fed beef or whatever, like, no, no, no. (laughs) We're offering different products for different things. And we're just trying to make a living. And we want to listen to consumers at the same time and offer those organic grass fed, like whatever it is. But I don't know if that made sense. (laughs) A little bit of a ramble.
0: (laughs) That's perfect. Yeah. Not at all because you. so within my, within my profession, I see a lot of different types of operations and it really, I really struggled with certain aspects of the industry and a long time I'm like why are consumers allowed to lead the charge in terms of what they want we we have to recognize that we live in an increasingly educated consumer where they're they're increasingly concerned but I think what that has done is it has has created more niches or more markets for farmers and Mm -hmm. I think that that could potentially be the way that the small family farm can uh, it can possibly survive long term and and so April with that I know that you have a a little bit of a different um, take just because you're doing a lot of direct selling. I think Hannah, you are also, mm-hmm. but April, I'd be curious to hear kind of what your thoughts were about what do you wish the, that consumers knew? And then to kind of to build on some of the things that Hannah had mentioned.
2: You know, I, I completely get and agree with where Hannah was coming from about the whole there seems to be just a a huge divide even within the agriculture industry itself, not just on the consumer side, but even within the agriculture industry amongst farmers about their different practices, whether it be non-GMO, organic, conventional, whatever have you. And to me, that's super heartbreaking in itself. It's just because it shouldn't be that way. I mean, there should be those differences, because there's a need for that. There's a market for that. There are consumers for those differences and all those differences are okay. And just because serving on the Farm Bureau, Young Farmer and Ranchers Committee on the state and national level, it just being able to connect with all the different farmers, not just in Kansas where I'm at, but in all sorts of different states all across the nation, being able to listen to people's stories and how they got to where they're at, why they do what they do, you can learn something from everyone, whether they do it the way you would do it or not. And you don't always have to agree with somebody or agree with why they chose to do what they do, but you can still learn something from them and take it back to your operation or to your family or to your farm or to your work and day-to-day life one of the things that I see like with just direct sales is that at the farmer's markets, it's just education with consumers where it's just, you know, I saw this thing on Facebook. I think I put it on my stories where it was you're in school and people who take, you know, intro to ag, just a fun elective. Everybody's required to take music and art, but not everybody's required to take intro to ag. And You know, that's just one of the things where I'm like, there is such a huge disconnect between, I don't want to say consumers, because even as farmers, we are consumers. So we're not, it's not a different group. It's not a different set of people. We're all consumers, whether you farm and raise the products or grow the products or not. We're all a consumer. People involved in the agriculture industry and people who are not, who are just strictly consumers. But just the lack of education, because like, there's people like, I'll go to the farmer's market and they'll say, Oh, you raised your own animals. You say you raised this meat. So it's organic. And I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) Let's talk about that. Let's have a conversation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just things like that, where it's just like some of the things like people literally, like they just don't know. And they don't understand agriculture in general, and just the broad USDA, like they haven't helped matters with labels and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just made it more confusing in my personal opinion for people who truly just don't understand. But that's just my biggest thing is just really trying to offer that education and just, you know, I just encourage people. I'm just like, just ask. I was like, all you have to do is ask, you know, we try to be super open with everything that, you know, that we do on our operation and how we raise our animals and what we feed them. And where we get them, where we process them, you know, things like that. But people ask us a question. I do do my best to to answer them. There's some questions that I, you know, that I don't know. Like I had to look up last summer. I had to look up, somebody asked me the question, the farmer's market. We have different packages of, of bacon. I think it was bacon. I don't remember, but some of the meat is redder than the others. And it's just the pigmentation of of the, and I forget, I have to go back and look it up. But I was like, that's a really good question because I can't answer that right now. But if you give me a minute, I'm sure I can go look it up. I learned, I had to go home. Like I looked it up and I was like, I don't remember what, it, I don't remember, but it has a lot to do with like the oxygen, like within, within the meat and the marble, there was, there was like a whole lot to it. And I was just like, I learned something new because you asked a question and I never even thought about it, to be honest. Like I handed him two packages of bacon. We get so many animals processed. At a time where it's like, they're probably from two, they're not probably, they obviously were from two different animals, but it's, they were fed the same thing. They were in the same pens. They were processed at the same facility, but it's just, they were packaged the exact same, but it's just like, those are the kind of questions like you should ask. Like, that's how you learn is just asking. It's like, you're never going to know if you don't ask. That's just my biggest thing is like, that's just one thing that I wish consumers knew is that. Farmers don't know everything either, but we all can learn something from each other. And you should always just ask, like always just encourage people to ask. But also if you ask, not only ask, but be willing to have receptive ears. You don't have to agree. You don't have to like the answer. You should just listen. Like you don't, it doesn't mean that you have to go away and agree with the what they said or like the product or like the way they do something, but just be willing to listen.
3: Absolutely. I have a little bit of a story on that because I had uh, actually a a family member come up to me and start telling me, well, I read this book and I heard through this book, it was a really detailed book about how regenerative ag is supported through our purchases. And that's why we need to buy everything non-GMO and organic. And I was just floored. I was like, I'm really sorry, but that has, Very little to do with regenerative ag. And if you want to, I mean, I don't know how, I think they're starting some programs, but cover crops and no-till that's making the soil a little bit more sustainable and healthy. That's what regenerative ag is about. And, and she was floored. She's like, this is the kind of education they're getting without asking the farmer directly. And that's really frustrating is that, yeah, buy with, buy the labels. Sometimes the labels don't mean a lot, depending on what you're buying. Just like you said, April, you know, the USDA has not helped anyone with some of their labeling. And so, just to echo what you said, it's really important to ask your farmers, ask directly, because, and if if we don't know, I hope
2: most of us will be honest. <laughs> and, yeah. and like you did, go look it up. Yeah, that's me. That's what I had to do. I was like. I honestly, we lost the sale that day because of that, because I was like, I could not explain it, but you know what that happens and that's okay. Like I truly did not know the answer to that question. Like I could not explain to them. I could have made something up that probably would have sounded great because they had no clue what I was talking about, but I was like, I didn't know. So I was like, I wasn't going to sit there and try to sound like an idiot making up something. I was like, I'm just like, that's a really great question. I really don't know the answer to that. I think we'll get something different. I was like
0: both of you ladies have uh, have beaten up pretty good on USDA in the last couple of minutes and I'll I'll let you know. I'm a USDA employee, so I certainly appreciate that.
3: <laughs> You're so helpful, Seth.
0: <laughs> I know I'm one of, I'm one of those that are working on the regenerative ag, but that's a completely different conversation for a different day than also uh, one thing one thing I'm really curious to hear about and as we're kind of starting to wind down kind of starting to talk about some of the, some of really the nuts and bolts or the heart of the issue and and understanding the the vibrant role that women play within agriculture if people looked at on the surface they assume that agriculture is a very very male dominated industry and I think that you two are perfect examples of Of really good professionals in your own in your own aspects. I mean, obviously, have different operations, and I'm curious to hear what your perspective of working within a male dominated dominated industry, and if you actually feel that it is.
2: I don't know that I necessarily feel that it's a male dominated industry. I'm not necessarily somebody who thinks you know, like, oh, women should be able to do every single thing that a man should do because that's not what I believe. Like, there's God made special roles for men and special roles for women. And like, for me, it's like just in the, in the farming industry and stuff, it's say, like, I always go back to, it, it's like, oh, it's the man's job to take out the trash. No, it's not like you can take out the trash. Like you're totally fine. But just like, for me, it's like, it's not just Eric's job to clean the pens. It's not just his job to pull the baby pigs when there's a sow that needs help giving birth. Guess he does certain things because I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Like I mm, no, like I'm just not. So it's not happening. <laughs> like stuff, like your mother-in-law who doesn't want to drive a tractor because <laughs> she has to learn to drive a tractor, then she's gotta drive the tractor. Like, I there's just certain things where I'm like
1: should put a if thousand hours on, a molar, on it, but no tractor.
2: It's like, you know, was like if my life depended on it and I absolutely had to do it, then yes, I would put my big <laughs> girl pants on and I would do it. But sure. I don't yeah. have to do it. And so I'm not going to do it. And I appreciate my husband for being able to do those things. Not that he always enjoys it, but that's just the way it is. I'm out there. I'm cleaning the nasty pens. I'm fixing fence. I'm helping cows give birth when I need to. I'm chasing pigs all over our property, whether I'm carrying a child or pushing one in a stroller <laughs> or not you laugh it's really true (laughs) um there are those things that to me it's like it's not just like farming is not just there are many roles just like everything in life where it's not just man versus woman or male versus female like it's you have to be able to work together there are things that both sides can do and some of them are have to be more willing than others like driving tractors and castrating pigs and you know doing all those kind of things but I don't know. I kind of feel like I lost my point. I don't know that it's necessarily, there's room for women to be farmers. And there are things that, that, that you can do just like there's room for men to be farmers. And, you know, there's just, there's different roles, there's different tasks and whether you're, you're single and, and embracing it on your own, or whether you're married and you have your spouse, find ways to work together and to learn and to, and to, and just to find your role. Like that's, that's the other thing like with me and Eric is just. We work together and we've been doing our farm together for 11 years now. And it has definitely not been all roses and butterflies. We've had our ups and downs. And I'd say we had had a lot more downs than ups sometimes, but, but it's getting better. And we're learning, like we're learning how to work together as a team. And we're learning how to be able to communicate and to find ways to be able to help each other. So I don't know if that really answers your question or not.
1: That's awesome. Totally awesome. Top that, Let's- Yeah. Well, if I can,
3: <laughs> I'm just going to echo it because that's exactly, I mean, you're right on April. It is, it's about teamwork. It's about doing what the other is maybe not as skilled at or as, um, and, and even things that we're both good at who's here, who's available, who's, who's not swamped at the moment. I can't tell you how grateful I am to have Zach in my corner. Like he's got me in his corner and I'm in his, I'm sorry, he's in mine. It's just, it's so valuable to learn to work together as a team on a farm. I'm I'm not sure, you know, everyone's got different relationships, but for us, there's no way that we could do this if, if I wasn't as invested as he was. And 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 vice versa. Some people think that the you know the breeding cows thing is is my deal, but they're every bit as much Zach's babies as they are mine. And hey, I'll get up at at midnight, and then you get up at two to check on that heifer. And and when it needs help, we both go out there. And it was actually not last night, but the night before that we had an upside down calf. And do you know anything about birthing? They cannot come upside down. And so hey, I've got smaller arms. I reach inside that cow. And I go to twist it. And it's like, there's no way I do not have the strength. I mean, maybe if I knew I absolutely had to, I could have conjured it up, but it, it wasn't moving for me. So, Hey, Zach, you got to go in there and you got to twist it. And, you know, if I didn't have that, I mean, I guess that whole idea of women have to be able to do everything a man does. No, no. Like we're, we're gifted in different areas. And can I do everything he does? No, I can't. You know, he's weighing some of these calves and it's like, you know, I'm really glad that I'm not the one picking them up and putting them on the scale. I'm a strong woman. I'm, I'm thankful that I have my strength, but I guess I also don't really feel like it's, it's male dominated. I feel like there are roles and you can thrive in your role. And, you know, if you choose to do more of a man's role, you might have to do some working out to get there because I've tried changing the points on a chisel plow back when we did tillage, Zach would hear this and he'd be like, don't say anything about chisel plowing. But, you know, um, I, I couldn't get (laughs) one of those bolts off to save my life. (laughs) And it's like, there, there's just certain things that, um, that were made to do a little bit better, both of us, men and women. And, you know, we start talking genetics and Zach's, he's very, very smart about genetics, but he's usually asking my opinion. There's just different, different things. I don't feel at all. And I haven't ever felt, i no, I shouldn't say that. There've been times where I've been tempted to feel like, Hey, Hey, don't, don't question me. I can, I can hold my own. And then it's like, you know what? There's no need for that kind of insecurity. Like just be thankful for, for the things that we get to do together. So
0: when, uh, when my wife and I were first starting to date and I've told the story on here before, uh, I brought a semi home from the farm and she rode back to the farm with me. And she was like, you are absolutely terrible at driving a semi. <laughs> she was, you sure you don't want me to drive it? True story. Can uh, she
3: drive it better than you?
0: At the time. No, no more. Not anymore. more. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, 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 chuckle because I think you ladies hit on some really important points where you're, where There's absolutely a place for everyone within the agricultural industry. And it may be, they may be wild and crazy ideas and they may be uh, helping out, whether it be with genetics or whether it be helping, whatever it may be, because I've, so I have two little girls and I want my daughters to be able to have that opportunity. Right. And if they, if they so choose, to, they want to run a farm, let them, I, there's no reason why that, why they can't. Yeah, there may be physical aspects or physical attributes, both ways. Things that ladies can do that men certainly can't. There's always room for really good people, talented people, and hardworking people that are willing to make a difference in this world. And you know, a couple of things. I always leave with a couple of facts, and then I'm going to turn kick it back to Kyle here to kind of wrap us up because time flies when you have great talent on, and you ladies have been outstanding for us tonight. Is uh, 14 percent of of the farmers in the country are are female farmers and female farmers own about 7% of the cropland across the country and they represent about 3% of the total cash sales so that's straight out of the national ag statistic data and that's interesting because I'm a national ag statistic reporter for work and so we talk about that the interesting thing is that a lot of operations that are principally owned by females our, our smaller farms, zero to 50 acres, but there's a significant portion that are, that are large scale farms then too. So there is room for everyone and ladies play a vital role within our food and fiber system. Well, I always love the statistics,
1: Seth. And I just, uh, I always, I'm a note taker. So as you gals talk, I was uh, taking a few notes of just high points that I'm going to take home. I, I think there's one, one thing that um, I hear through this conversation is sustainability is not just in the commodities. It's, it's something that we have to look at hard as family members, as spouses, as kids and uh, where we're spending our time, who are, we're spent, who we're spending our time with, or would we rather spend time with coworkers or with our kids or with our family? And so and then it's number two is it's just kind of, it's okay to be part of the question. We don't have to know everything on, on this podcast. We don't, as to the farming industry, it's, I always say you got to learn something every day. Um, and so being part of the question is, is probably more valuable than knowing it all, in my experience for sure. And then I'm just going to take a page from Seth's book and say, we just need to put a little air in our life, a little space. And so that's all I
0: have for, uh, for tonight on the kitchen table. So, well, and and ladies, I want to give you some parting shots to say your final pieces. And then also to where to follow you on your social media handles and, or where to find your products. Cause part of the kitchen table is being able to connect consumers with farmers. Give us your best products.
2: Our best products. Well, we do our, what I Call our slogan or whatever is farm to fork, pork and pastured chickens. So we pretty much every pork product you can think of, we sell. We also are getting into doing, um, we have our own blend of seasonings that we're doing, and we do pork jerky on top of all chicken. We do a farmers markets, and then you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. They It's Castle Farms Fresh Meats. And then our website is castlefarmsfreshmeats.com. So pretty simple and easy. We can also find our show pigs as Castle Show Pigs. I think is what Eric has it called. You might have to ask me later on that. But yeah, we're in Kansas. We're in Southeast Kansas. So if you're in Southeast Kansas area, around Kansas City area, we deliver and you can find us at lots of farmer's markets. So that's us. Um, thank you again for letting me be on here. I always enjoy having conversations with Seth and Kyle and it was great to meet Hannah.
0: Thank you, April. Hannah.
3: Yes. It's so good to meet you too, April. Um, we have like a myriad of, um, uh, businesses going on here and that's, I think the story of some farms. So farm, you can find us on Facebook at ZH Farms. Perfords are P-Bar-Y Perfords and they're on Facebook and Instagram. I own um, Good Steward Bookkeeping and that's, uh, Facebook and on the web somewhere. I think I covered them all there. So, It's been a joy. I
0: really enjoy this. And thank you for having me on. Wow. Well, and thank you ladies for both being willing, able, and interested in being part of our Kitchen Table podcast. And I've really enjoyed the perspectives that both of you have brought because they're, they're diverse and they're different, but yet at the same time, there's a lot of common ties when we start to talk about working with spouses or working with family or understanding the trials and tribulations that exists within everyday life and then specifically within the agricultural industry. The one thing that I always try to remember is the, the critical conversations that have to happen around agriculture and that all real and relevant conversations happen around the kitchen table. And those conversations exist no matter where we go and what we do. And so more than anything, I want to thank all of our guests and all of our listeners and then all of our friends of the Kitchen Table podcast for joining in on our weekly update. And most importantly, I want to wish everyone a happy, healthy, and safe weekend wherever your ventures may take you. I want to wish you be the first one to wish you congratulations for making it through another week. And until next week, feel free to like us on Facebook and Instagram and any of your viewing platforms. And thank you. Have a good night. Thank you.